Welcome into another edition of Whiskey Weeks here on the Hops and Spirits Podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Green. we got another fun one for you this week as we learn about cocktails with Michael Toscano. And we learn about blending whiskey with Trip Stimson of Barrel Craft Spirits in Louisville, Kentucky. And remember, Whiskey Weeks is presented by none other than Ober Gatlinburg. Come discover all the wonderful things that Ober Gatlinburg Ski Area and Amusement Park has to offer. Experience breathtaking views as you ride the aerial tramway. From downtown Gatlinburg to the mountaintop to play, shop, and dine. Summer tubing, wildlife encounter, coaster, ice bumper cars, alpine slide, chairlift, year-round ice skating, and much more equals fun for everyone. During the winter months, enjoy snow tubing, skiing, or snowboarding, or play in the Cubby Snow Zone with your little ones. Fun festivals round out the calendar with May Fest in the spring and Oktoberfest each fall. A mountaintop of fun and excitement high above Gatlinburg is waiting for you at Ober Gatlinburg Ski Area and Amusement Park. And don't forget, we will have details here in this episode on our giveaway featuring a great way to enjoy Ober Gatlinburg. So st- stay tuned for that. And let's get into it. Joining us now is Michael Toscano, New York City Ambassador for Woodford Reserve. Michael, thanks for taking some time to talk cocktails and your life with us. Oh, no problem. Thank you so much for having me. This is, uh, I'm excited to do this. I think it's going to be a blast. Now, now, Michael, you, you're, before you became kind of the brand ambassador in, in New York City for Woodford Reserve, I guess your previous life was bartending. How does one just hop into bartending? Was that uh, just the job that you kind of found yourself in you know, when, you, when you were looking, or did you just kind of always love crafting uh, fun drinks for people? Well, I, I actually did just kind of hop into it. I'll, I'll take a very long story and make it short. Um, in my late twenties, I walked away from corporate America. I had a suit and tie job, you know, nine to five in an office and, uh, decided I didn't want to do that anymore. And, uh, I canned beer at a local brewery in Indianapolis, uh, called Sun King in the morning. And then I took a gig as a bar back at a bar in Indianapolis called Libertine Liquor Bar that just happened to be a cocktail bar. Um, I wanted to start over and, and get into a career where I could own a bar one day. And I thought I should learn it from the ground up. Um, and no idea it was going to be a craft cocktail <laughs> situation. I was much more into like, uh, like in a, like a, an Italian pub with my brothers, you know, doing sports and beer, but, um, kind of fell into Libertine and then, uh, moved my way up the ranks there, uh, over a three year period, I ended up becoming the GM of that place for a little bit and then met my wife, got married, uh, and moved to New York and, uh, continued bartending out here. So yeah, I really literally did just kind of jump in <laughs> to the career. Hey, no, nothing wrong with that. I mean, sometimes, no. you know, people just need to, to make a, a change and, and actually be happy with what they're doing in life. And I'm guessing that was one reason you wanted to do that. Yeah, that was a, a major factor. It was um, definitely a little head scratching for the family <laughs> when I first did it, <laughs> but I think everybody's pretty happy with how, how it's worked out um, to this point. So I think we're all gay. And then now you, you know, you, you mentioned you were in Indianapolis, um, and then you went to New York city. How does one jump from Indianapolis to New York city? Cause I figure that's a slightly different culture, uh, with everything going on now for your job, it probably makes sense, but for everything else, maybe a sure. little, another little head scratcher there. Well, I mean, not to sound like a broken record, but kind of the same, the same thing. We just kind of <laughs> did it. Um, you know, little willful, willful ignorance, I'm sure to some degree, um, I was raised in a military background, like my dad was in the Air Force for 20 years. So uh, I moved around quite a bit and um, Indianapolis is just where my family's from. So, uh, you know, obviously New York is a, is a giant um, city with a lot going on. For me, the move wasn't um, 
as terrifying maybe as it should have been looking back on it. Uh, my wife is born and raised in Indianapolis. Um, so it was a bit of an adjustment for her for sure. But I mean, it literally, we decided, you know, if we're going to continue to grow in our careers, uh, we weren't ready to open a bar yet. Um, you know, what better market to go to than New York. So we, you know, put a bunch of stuff in storage, packed up a minivan. We have two dogs. She drove them out and, uh, we found an apartment and, you know, just kind of hit the ground running, um, applying for jobs and, uh, networking as much as we could on, you know, through social media and all those things. And, you know, you just, you just kind of have to, you have to take the leap of faith. I think that, you know, you know what you're doing and it's going to work out and also take some solace in knowing that if it doesn't, you know, there's always another thing that you can do. So, um, yeah, it was really it just winging a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to guess that it, it's worked out pretty well for you. Um, I know you ended up working at Dante in, in New York City, which was recently named the best bar in the world. What was that like? And what was it? Because, I mean, you know, when you think of whiskeys and how they kind of came back into the forefront, it was those craft cocktails. And that's kind of what you were doing in Indianapolis and then again in New York City. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you kind of hit on a little bit. New York is, is definitely a different animal than Indianapolis as far as, you know, just the pace of life and, and the different um you know, people you're going to run into and in the size of the programs, there's a lot more uh, money behind them. There's a lot more, you know, expectations, I think, when you're on a stage like you are in New York. And uh, Dante was was no exception to that. Um, you know, it was definitely the hardest job I've ever had. Uh, it was a giant cocktail menu and the expectations were very high on the execution. And um, the gentleman I worked for, um, Naren Young, was our creative director, was very, you know, he knew what he wanted. And so it was about uh, learning to work with, in a team and, and execute cocktails consistently, you know, night in and night out. And, um, you know, it's an aperitif Italian style cocktail bar. So it's a lot of Negronis and um, cocktails that have like an Italian bitter in them. So that goes hand in hand with the Boulevardier, which we'll, we'll talk about, I think, a little bit more here in a bit, um, which is a bourbon style cocktail, a bourbon cocktail with with an Italian uh, bitter in it, similar to a Negroni that was really popular. Uh, we had an old fashioned cocktail on there that also was one of our best sellers that, you know, we stamped Dante into the ice and, you know, had this really pretty like garnished orange swath as it's um, garnished. And so like everything was really dialed in on a very classic cocktail that just elevated it um, to a way that, you know, really popped. And, and so those are the kinds of things you pick up on when you work in programs like that. It's taking cocktails that you see every day and you know, spirits that you work with every single day or have had, you know, you've had a million old fashions, but I can promise you the Dante old fashion sticks with you. Um, but, <laughs> One but you just, won't forget. <laughs> right, exactly. And so that, and that's, that's a testament to, um, you know, the spirit that's being used, but also the presentation and elevation of, you know, really simple ingredients to, to make them memorable, which is and great. Then and then before we hop into kind of those cocktails that you kind of touched on there, you're the brand ambassador for Woodford Reserve, and for those that may not know what that entails, what, what what's your your day day job look like for them? Now, obviously, with with COVID, I'm sure it's a little different than normal, but but uh, what what are you kind of doing for them out there? Sure. So so Woodford Reserve, um, the brand ambassador position here in New York is is a really great opportunity for me to kind of take my first career and my and my second career and kind of put them together um, into one thing and keep me, keep me in the industry, which is super important to me because I, I really do love the service industry and hospitality. And um, so, you know, my focus really is, is marketing our brand um, to bartenders and bar owners uh, to help ensure that, you know, we're at the forefront of their mind when it comes to creating cocktails and 
uh, making drinks for their guests. Um, but we're also finding ways to help support them, you know, especially during the, you know, in the last what, seven months, I think that we're, we're on to now here with, with COVID, um, really identifying ways we could, we could help those bartenders and those bars that were either, um, you know, reopening or struggling to stay open or, you know, really to some degree, you know, bartenders that needed meals and, and just needed uh, a little bit of help, um, you know, getting access to the different resources that were available. So really kind of being a conduit to help them, you know, get there um, and help as much as we could. So it's been great in the sense that it's not just about numbers and cases and, you know, making sure we're selling Woodford, but this position really is about supporting the community and being there to help, um, you know, knowing that down the road when the times are, you know, we get to better times, we're there to help. And, you know, hopefully we can work on, you know, menu drinks and, and those kinds of things. But um, it's been a really great position to not only, you know, promote a great brand, but also partner with, you know, people in the industry locally to help promote them and, and get them where they want to go and support them and, and their own careers. So it's been, it's been pretty amazing. I was going to say, I, I was able to read a little bit and I, I saw where you were helping out with finding people meals. I mean, you even had Google Docs sheets and, and stuff on, on different things that, you know, people needed or how people could help. And I thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah, it's it was it was really awesome to watch our industry really kind of come together, you know, and, and from the multiple brands, not just Woodford and, and not even just Brown Foreman. I mean, I think as a community, we understood that, you know, it took us a minute with, you know, the keyword is pivot, right? Everybody talks about mm -hmm. pivoting right now. It took everybody a minute to kind of, you know, readjust where we were going because, you know, it's a huge corporation. So it's going to take a second. But once we all got on board, it was just, you know, every, full steam ahead and how we can help. And, you know, as things start to open back up now, it's we've really all positioned ourselves in a, in a place to really have a great impact on, on these communities that are starting to reopen. So, um, yeah, it's it's been really rewarding and, and uh, just I, I feel really good to have been able to be a part of it. And then getting to the cocktail side of things, um, are you still being able to do a little bartending or having a little fun with those? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm not behind a bar uh, anymore in, in any way, which I think is probably a good thing. I, I feel like uh, <laughs> two years out from the game, especially in, in a market like New York, I'd probably embarrass myself more than anything else at this point. But, um, I, you know, we still do part of the part of the job is I, I still do, still do get to create, you know, cocktail recipes. Uh, whether that's doing training uh, demos with Chris Morris on, you know, virtual platforms. Uh, we have accounts that are, you know, reopening or, or, or pivoting in their own right and trying to find ways to put drinks on menus that have never really done it before. So there's been a great opportunity to, um, you know, share some recipes that I created over my over my career. But I've also, which has been kind of fun, I've been able to actually share recipes from former, you know, bar mentors and coworkers of mine. Um, you know, we, every bartender has got a little book of recipes and stuff that they keep. And so I've been able to kind of reach back in the vault and pull some really great ones out. So I've got like cocktails from Libertine liquor bar from four years ago that we made, you know, five, six years ago, actually now that are going to probably be on menus in New York, uh, you know, as we head for head forward. So it's, it's been kind of a fun, fun little deal to be able to still kind of pretend like I, like I know what I'm doing. <laughs> break, break out that little black book, a slightly exactly different right. little black book. <laughs> take puck's recipe or adam hayden's recipe and then pass it off as my own you know that's that kind of stuff so it's great and then and then obviously you know uh, people are spending a little more time at home you know whether that's you know they're coming in from work or you know they've had a long day of zoom meetings uh, maybe for someone that doesn't have the the full bar set up 
how can they craft a, a good cocktail, whether that's with a, a bourbon or whiskey or, or, or something else? Right. Uh, well, I mean, to go back to just the old fashioned, I, I think that that's something that really anybody can make. And it's really, really simple. Right. So, you know, an old fashioned is just uh, spirit, sugar, water and bitters. Right. So like Angostura bitters is that you can find it in, in really in any grocery store. It's just a brown bottle with a big white paper label and a yellow cap. Um, and that is really the standard, um, it's kind of like the salt, right? Everyone mm-hmm. should have a bottle of that or, or try to find something like that. So you can, you can have that. If you don't have it, you can still make a pretty decent old fashioned without it. It's not going to be terrible. It's just sugar and, and bourbon and water. And so all you have to do is it's two ounces of, of whiskey of Woodford reserve, uh, bourbon or rye. Um, and then you can either put a little bit of sugar in there and water and dissolve it. Um, or you could always just do equal parts, like one cup sugar, one cup water, put it into a pot and bring it to a boil and then let it cool. And you've got simple syrup. So that bottle of simple syrup, you can buy at a grocery store for eight bucks. You can literally make it home in five minutes with just a little bit of sugar and water. So once you've done that, you can have two ounces of bourbon and, you know, a quarter ounce or half an ounce of simple syrup and stir that up. And you essentially have a cocktail. Um, You can throw a dash of bitters in there and you've got an old fashioned. So it's a really, really easy thing that doesn't take outside of really buying a bottle of Woodford, uh, everything else, you know, you've got sugar and you've got water in your home. You can make a wood, you can make a Woodford old fashioned. And then obviously some people want to take it a little step further. They might be entertaining some guests or even throwing a party. I mean, we're coming up on Halloween, yep. Thanksgiving, you know, Christmas, all, all those uh, coming up. Uh, say they want to go a little fancier. What might be a, a, a nice way to do that? Sure. So I will realistically, I'll give you two, right? So to hit on kind of what we talked about earlier on the Dante side of things, right? So the Boulevardier uh, is the, the American version of a Negroni. So it's Woodford Reserve um, bourbon and then Campari or some type of Italian like red bitter uh, and then sweet vermouth, right? So Carpano Antica or Dolan or Martini Rossi, um, anything like that. And it's just equal parts. So this is one you can batch. That's really, really easy. You can throw it in a punch bowl. And if you just go get three 750s of each spirit, you can literally dump it all in, put some big ice, you know, float some ice cubes in there, and you've got a Boulevardier. Um, and that's really, really easy. Um, or you could always go with the Manhattan, which is always a classic. Um, for that, I would recommend Woodford Rye because you want a little bit of spice in that. So some of the spiciness of the rye whiskey pushes through. And that's just two parts rye to one part vermouth. So then you could do two bottles of Woodford Rye, one bottle of sweet vermouth, put it into a punch bowl, and then have that bottle of Angostura bitters we talked about out on the side. And all you do is put a couple dashes in your cup and then fill it up with uh, three ounces of the of the punch and you've got a Woodford Rye Manhattan. So really simple, easy recipes, but also really easy to batch. So if you're hosting a party or having people over, you don't have to you know, be concerned with playing bartender or, you know, finding a local bartender to hire or something like that. You can literally (laughs) just put it in a bowl, put a label out and let your guests, you know, have a good time. And they're having delicious, you know, quality craft, historically, you know, awesome cocktails. I was going to say that those sound for, for someone that, uh, you know, wishes he could be a a bartender in the sense that I actually knew what I was doing. (laughs) I I think I can handle those recipes, which I I think for for most is what they're, they're looking for. And then my my last question is what are are maybe one or two good things to just kind of always have, if you're maybe going to want to make a cocktail at some point, just, you know, good go-to things to, to have in the house. 
Sure. So uh, the first thing I would tell you to have is uh, a tool called a jigger. Um, and it is just a little metal measuring tool. You can find them at uh, Target. I, their home lifestyle section of Target has really every bar tool you'd ever need at this point. Um, so it's not anything you have to go online or try to hunt. Um, if you want to go on and get the kind of tools that maybe that a bartender is using, cocktailkingdom.com um, is your one-stop shop for everything that you would need. Um, but a little jigger, one side will be a one ounce up to a one ounce measurement. The other side's a two ounce. And then inside of that tool, there are lines to mark half an ounce, three quarter ounce and one and a half ounce. So that it's just a great little thing to have that will help you ensure that when you're measuring out your cocktails and you're kind of doing your research, um, you know, you have the right tool to measure everything out so that your proportions are right. So that's going to taste the right way. So I definitely think that's something that everybody could have. That's really easy. Um, and then invest in, invest, I mean like 20 bucks um, into, <laughs> I don't mean to sound like it's going to be expensive, um, into like a, a, a proper bar spoon. And that's something that you, once again, you can find at Target, but Cocktail Kingdom has all kinds of different ones, whether they've got a little teardrop or a trident or paddle, it doesn't really matter. But the, you want something that's long that you can easily stir that's going to hit like the bottom of the glass so that you're, um, you know, instead of just like getting a spoon out of the drawer. Um, I know you said a couple, but I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you two more. Um, Perfectly fine with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, A glass pint glass will absolutely work. If you're going to mix a glass or mix a cocktail, like a Manhattan, you're going to stir that. Um, But there are, you know, mixing glasses that you can get that are a little bit bigger, uh, which makes stirring a little bit easier. Um, So that's definitely something. And then cocktail shakers and you got to have cocktail shakers. My recommendation is to get a metal set. Now, you know, you'll see some bartenders that shake with like a pint glass into a metal tin. Um, I don't like that for my, just for my own, it takes a little bit longer to chill it down, but you also run the risk of breaking the glass. So you can get like a metal cocktail shaking set. All of that's available at cocktailkingdom.com. It's not very expensive. Um, And those are things that I think if you break those kind of tools out and you have a Boulevardier punch, like your guests are going to think that you have just you know taking on a whole new i just feel like it's a, it's the really easy hacks but they're great ways to make it look like you know like you're really on top of it and a great way to kind of impress the people you have over your house too if that's something that you're looking to do I would have to say that that would be a nice little uh, party trick, so to, so to speak, that you look like yeah. you know what you're doing. Maybe right. went and took a couple classes, and uh, you're making some really good drinks. Um, right, my, Michael, I, I really appreciate you giving us those little hacks and some some easy recipes that I, I think everyone can pull off. Right, no, no problem. I'm happy to do it. And hey, if all else fails, just throw a little bit of champagne or prosecco on top of those things, and they're delicious. <laughs> so uh-huh. you're, yeah, an you're an fine how it goes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love it. Michael, thank you so much for, for coming on and talking cocktails and, and the bartending life. No problem. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been great. Thank you. I want to thank Michael again for coming on and talking cocktails and the bartending life with us. It's uh, really cool to see how uh, anyone, no matter who you are, can make some great cocktails at home, whether it's just after a long day at work or uh, when you're getting ready to host a get-together, a fun get-together, you can show off. And before we get to talking with Trip Stimson on mixing whiskeys, blending whiskeys, our Obergallenberg Whiskey Weeks giveaway, look for it tonight, Thursday night, that's right, tonight, on our Instagram page, 
details on how you can win a four-pack of tickets to Obergatlinburg. It's about a $200 value, and we're not going to do just one, but two winners. So follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for details. We're at Hop Spirits, all one word, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you got to be on Instagram, though, to be able to play for these tickets. Now we get back into the fun, and joining us is Trip Stimson, Chief Whiskey Scientist and Director of Distillery Operations for Barrel Craft Spirits. Trip, thanks for taking some time to talk with us. Hey, Jonathan. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, I think you're a smart man because I saw what your degree was in, biochemistry and molecular biology. Um, how, how was school during those days? <laughs> uh, it, you know, school was, school was fun. I, I had my fair share of fun, but it was a lot of work as well. Um, you know, it's, it's people often ask me, like, how do you go to school for biochemistry? And it's like anything else. You sort of gravitate to what you enjoy or what you find interest in. And it just so happened that that's, that's, that's what I enjoyed. I enjoyed learning about it. And then did you ever think you would be in the whiskey business? I mean, growing up, was that something that you had, you know, on your, on your uh, bulletin board at, in your room or, or how did you do that? Not even on the radar. Um, you know, for, for the longest, my plan was actually to go to medical school and, you know, that was still in the works, um, until, uh, a little bit after I graduated college when I was recruited uh, to go to Brown Foreman. Uh, so again, it was, it was an opportunistic, uh, decision that popped up and I decided to take advantage of it. And if I still wanted to go to medical school, then I would go back and go to medical school. And then, I mean, were you a whiskey lover? Did you enjoy bourbon? I mean, what? I mean, to take a job like that, I would assume that you at least had some knowledge and enjoyment of of whiskeys. Uh, so I'm I'm from Tennessee originally, and uh, you know when you're when you're born and raised in Tennessee, you drink Jack Daniels. And coming fresh out of college, you know, not having a whole lot of money to to drink expensive bourbons and and really experience with a lot of things, you know, that was pretty much my. Uh, uh, my, my realm of the whiskey knowledge was the Jack Daniels family. So, you know, definitely had a lot to learn, uh, in the, in the early days for sure. And I was going to say though, I mean, you, you ended up sticking uh, with Brown Foreman for almost a decade. I'm guessing that was a time though, where you really grew to, to love the industry. Absolutely. I'm a, uh, I'm a science nerd to begin with. So I, I love to understand what makes these products good, bad, unique, uh, different. So learning the ins and outs of the, the, the biology and the chemistry of what makes, you know, what, what puts the flavor, where does the flavor come from? You know, is it, is it always the barrel? Is it always the grain? Is it some combination? How important is the yeast? You know, answering all of these questions and understanding the impacts of, of each of those individual pieces and, and understanding that really gave me an appreciation for a bottle of bourbon on the shelf. And then obviously you decided to kind of switch things up and you, you went out on your own into consulting. Why, why would you kind of switch it up? And did you just kind of want to do some more different things, you know, including helping some, some brands get launched? Yeah. The, um, you know, the, the, the corporate environment is, is more structured. I think, you know, you're, as a corporate employee, you're hired to do a relatively specific job. And the expectation is that you uh, stay sort of in your area with a target to go somewhere else. And as the opportunities arise, then 
you can take advantage of those. And I, I like to mix things up. I like, uh, I like doing different things. I have lots of ideas. And so being able to take uh, almost a decade's worth of expertise in the bourbon industry at a time when the, the craft side of the industry is really starting to boom, it was an opportunity for me to help these would-be distillers at the very minimum, at least understand the business they're getting into before they take the plunge. And then moving, moving forward, if they decide that it's something that they wanted to pursue, then I could help with both uh, uh, sort of the business piece and, and the uh, production operations piece as well and try to uh, streamline uh, a path to success and try to avoid as many of the pitfalls uh, as, as we could moving forward. And then obviously that led you to meeting Joe Beatrice, um, who founded Barrel Craft Spirits. What was that like? Uh, it was very interesting uh, meeting Joe for the first time because as we, the thing that really uh, was interesting to me about Joe is in our first conversation, uh, we talked about building a distillery and Joe said that he wanted to build a distillery for about 30 minutes and then realized that was not the, his path in this industry. And the reason that stuck with me is because that was much of what my conversation with people who wanted to get into the industry would be. It's that building the distillery is not necessarily the first step when, when wanting to build a brand in this business because there's so much overhead. You know, you're putting all this money out front and you're hoping that you're going to make enough $50 bottle, $100 bottles of something that's going to cover that overhead all the while. You've got operational costs going out every single day. So when you really sit down and look at it, it's a pretty daunting business plan. So, you know, you've got to have a bunch of money and uh, knowledge and expertise and uh, all, all of these things moving forward. Um uh, when the, the real value, the core value is going to be in the brand itself. And Joe had already done all of his homework and figured this out. And there's so much bulk product available on the market that it just made sense to start the brand. And as the brand grows and gets bigger and more people become aware of what we're doing and how we're doing things and why we're different than everybody else, at some point, the brand will likely need its own distillery in order to continue to grow. And that, that was our approach to all of this is, was build the brand, you know, get things going out there. And then as we grow and develop a need for a distillery, we can then address that issue moving forward. And then what, what made you decide to, to join up with Joe? Cause he was doing things a little bit different than, than others uh, were doing at the time. You know, it's, I always like being different. I like setting <laughs> ourselves apart from sort of the norm and, and doing things uh, in a different manner. And I really liked Joe's passion for doing things differently. And, you know, we, we really saw eye to eye on sort of how, how to establish and grow a brand and and maneuver in the market. And it just, it just kind of worked. It just clicked. And then I was going to say, I mean, you know, we're, we're in the midst of, of whiskey weeks here on the podcast. You guys do whiskeys 
well, any, any of your spirits a lot different than, than most are used to, you know, most you go, go to a place, you see a bunch of things, uh, sitting in a barrel, you know, they go through the, the normal process. You guys are a blender and a bottler. How, how would you explain that to someone that may not really understand what, what it is you guys do? Okay. So traditionally, uh, when people think of bourbon or whiskey or something of that nature, they think that there's a distillery that goes from grain to bottle. Um, we are not that. So there is a lot of bulk whiskey and bourbons and, and all kinds of stuff available on the world market. Uh, that's, that's literally produced all over the world and available for purchase either in barrels, totes, or in, in, in some volume. So as blenders, what we like to do is identify those different products that are available and then figure out how we can uniquely combine those products in a blend so that each of those components sort of accentuates the other components so that what you have at the end is this uh, this beautiful product where everything seems to work together uh, to, to create something that did not originally exist. And I was going to say, I mean, for, for blending, I, I have this weird picture in my head and I doubt it's correct at all. Uh, you know, you guys are just kind of sitting there like not mad scientists, but you know, pouring a little bit of this in, pouring a little bit of that in cause you know, you're, you're using two, three, four different types of, of, of whiskeys or, or bourbons or, or whatever it is. How, how does that process go for you all? Because obviously you're picking barrels not from always the same state or the same country. So we start out with an idea. You know, the, the goal being that every batch is different. Every batch is at cast strength. So depending on what we made before and what we have uh, available to us or that we currently own, we'll come up with a plan uh, based on some of the characteristics that we know we're familiar with. Uh, with the with the barrels that we have, and then we'll just start playing in the lab, small scale, and you know, adding this, adding that, and, and constantly asking ourselves, what's it missing, and then where do we go to find that flavor? Uh, and then once we get to something that is um, what we think it should be, then it's a matter of taking it from a Glencairn glass to uh, you know a, a six thousand gallon blending tank, <laughs> which, which is a little daunting in and of itself. I was going to say, I mean, how, how difficult of a process is it for you all to, to do that? Because like I said, you're doing things that most people wouldn't normally think of when it comes to, to this industry. It's, it's fun. It's challenging. It is very different. Uh, and it, it often feels like we are trying to hit a moving target <laughs> because we've got this Glencairn glass full of this product that is excellent. And now we have to take these various barrels and hope that the component we used in the Glencairn glass is represented in this combination, in the combination of all of these barrels so that what we get in the tank is as, as close as we can get to what's in that glass. And then obviously, you know, everyone wants to be, um, I don't want to say rewarded, but you want to know your work is, is being seen and, and that you're doing a good job. And, and you guys are pretty much an award-winning, uh, you know, bottler. Uh, you guys have been highly rated by whiskey advocate, including the editor's choice named best American whiskey of 2018, uh, best bourbon twice at the San Francisco world spirits competition once in 17. And again, uh, this year, 
Um, I mean, what's that like? Because you guys, like I said, you're it's kind of that fun, exciting thing of blending. But I mean, you guys are doing it at a, an excellent uh, job. Uh, well, thank you. It, it's very humbling to to receive awards like that and have people talk about how much they like our products because when we're working day to day, we're trying to put the best possible product we can in, in the packaging. Um, you know, the, 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 the bottle is pretty, the label, everything works in, in the packaging, but people aren't paying for that glass bottle. They're paying for the contents. So our focus is 100% on what goes in that bottle in order to uh, sort of set the stage for everything that we do uh, across the Barrelcraft Spirits brand. You know, we want people, we want our consumers to see our packaging and trust that what we've put in that packaging is worth being in that packaging. And then obviously you guys kind of take a, another different approach in the fact that you guys just do batches outside of a, a couple, you know, core, core ones. I, I've got the, the batch 24 of the, the barrel bourbon and it's distilled and aged in Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. And you guys use nine, 10, 13 and 15 year old barrels for it. Uh, why, why, why take that approach to the, you know, the, the different batches for, for these bourbons? You know, I, I, I used to think that, um, you know, as a purist, and, and and I know that bourbon purists are out there, and they think that you know you've got this 15-year-old product. Why in the world would you put would you blend it with a nine-year-old product? And on the surface, it sounds like you're ruining a 15-year-old product. But when you can look at and appreciate flavors and characteristics from a multitude of different years and different grain bills and yeast strains and barrel char and toast and and in, enjoy putting those different pieces together to create uh, a flavor that didn't exist before you know something a complexity that couldn't be created by one facility because they do things a certain way but by combining these processes from multiple facilities using the, the different grain bills, the different ages, the different barrels. So all these different variables and putting them together, it creates uh, a, a really uh, a really interesting uh, finished product. And we do it in batches because, um, you know, we're, it gives us the opportunity to constantly do something new and innovative and do something fun. I was going to say, sorry, I was just finishing up the, uh, the batch 20, 24 <laughs> that, I, that, that I, that I had perfect timing. Uh, exactly. Exactly. But I mean, I, I love that idea. Cause that kind of goes back to probably your, what you and Joe both just love to do. And that is always kind of, you know, going back to the lab and having fun and experimenting. Right. Absolutely. It's, you know, there are, you know, there are people out there who will take product, whatever they can get, put it in a bottle, slap a label on it, put it on the shelf. Those people, they, they just exist. They do. And that's not what we do. We painstakingly uh, pay attention to all of the little nuances in each of the individual pieces that, that get put into the blend and, and really watch how the finished product sort of develops. It's, it's interesting. We say the, you know, I'll tell you that the, the, the blend sort of decides where it's going. It's because, as we 
put these components together, the blend sort of tells us what it's missing. And then it's up to us to be able to go find those other components and include them in the blend in whatever concentration um, it needs to be in. And then obviously you guys do uh, bourbon, you do rye. Uh, I even saw rum. Um, I'm, I'm sure that's fun. Do you get to go down to Jamaica for those selections? Yeah, I've been working on that. Um, <laughs> I haven't quite pulled that off yet, but I'm, I'm working on the Barbados trip. <laughs> I, I was going to say, it's all for work, right? Yeah, I mean... absolutely. That's, that's my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, I, I had the rye, the, the number three batch, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed that and, you know, it comes in, you guys come in at a little higher proof cause your cash strength on, on all of them. Correct. On that's, that you guys do. That's correct. On everything we release. So, you know, the, the rye batch three comes in at 116.7 proof, but you know, I thought it had a nice balance of, of flavors and, you know, it doesn't hit you too hard despite that proof, that proof and you get some of those nice earthy tones. Uh, what, what's, you know, on that one, you're mixing, you know, a selection of four to 14 year old barrels and you're not just in America with Indiana and Tennessee, but Poland and Canada. Yeah. The, the rise are, uh, are fun for us because we take a different approach in creating these rise. Uh, typical rye whiskey is going to be, you know, a, a higher proof spice bomb. Uh, you know, you're really going to get that uh, rye grain spice contribution. And while that's great, everything we do is around complexity. And we like to take with the rise and sort of pay homage to that spice in the, in the traditional rise, but also round it out with some other uh, fruit and floral notes and uh, even a little to, uh, tobacco, uh, tobacco notes, some leather, um, you know, some of the, some of the other flavors that you might find in, uh, whiskey or bourbon, and that way you have a, a well-rounded, complex product, and not just uh, not just an in-your-face spice bomb. And then, obviously, you guys do have a few things that aren't necessarily you know batches. Uh, one of them is your award-winning uh, dovetail whiskey, uh, which comes in at a very high proof of 120, <laughs> 24. As I told you earlier, I had to have that one last night because I don't think I can make it through uh, the, the the full uh, interview without maybe slurring my, my words. Yeah. But 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 you know that one's a, another interesting one because it's finished in rum port in the Dunn Vineyards uh, Cabernet barrels. Um, what, what was that one like for y'all? You know, that was originally going to be just a, uh, a batch release of whiskey. And because we were using the multiple finishes and the multiple, uh, barrels and the multiple whiskeys, it was, uh, difficult to word everything such that it was, um, presented according to what the TTB would allow. So we went back and forth with them uh, trying to figure out how best to, uh, to present everything for a whiskey category. And then we ended up just uh, not doing it as uh, a whiskey in the category, but as the DSS, which it, uh, and then came up with the name Dovetail, which the Dovetail name sort of, symbolizes the way that uh, the whiskeys and, and the, the flavors dovetail together. And if you're familiar at all with woodworking joints, the dovetail is a, an interlocking woodworking joint. I like that. I, I love that in the name. And then you guys are also uh, going to be re uh, releasing, is it the Ar Armedia? Is that the Armida. Right? Yeah, Armida. that's... 
That is a fantastic product, and it took us a while to get it right. Because uh, that started out as a, as kind of an experiment uh, and maybe a batch too, right? It was it was an experiment uh, in whiskey finished in um, pear brandy casks, and the the difficult part about the Armida is that that pear brandy uh, aromatic contribution to the overall blend was very fleeting and figuring out how to blend it in such a manner that allowed us to keep all of that uh, aroma and flavor in solution long enough to get it in the bottle was a little bit tricky. Uh, but we, we worked it out and actually it just shipped out um, yesterday. So Armida will be on the shelves in mid October, I believe. That's awesome. And, That's and, awesome. And it's a, it's a fantastic product. I was gonna say, I'm looking forward to that. And, and I love, I mean, do you guys just kind of go and, um, you know, try to find various different ways to, to kind of up your game. I mean, do you, not, not like every time you feel like you got to up yourself, but you know, doing, you know, going out and getting different types of barrels and different types of, of whiskeys and different ways to age them in the end. I mean, is that, that that's gotta be a fun thing for you. Absolutely. You know, we, we really enjoy the creative, uh, innovative side of, of this business. You know, we're a, a relatively small company. So when we want to do something, we find the pieces and we do it. Uh, another example of this is our private release whiskey series that we're now getting ready to start our fourth round of. And we've done this in groups of 48 barrels currently, and then we're getting ready to uh, increase that number because they're, they're doing so well. And what those are is basically uh, micro blends in individual barrels that is then finished differently from all the others in the group. So you have a unique blend with a unique finish and uh, all of that in a single barrel that is then bottled and sold as a single barrel. And then my, my last question for you, Trip, um, you know, since I, I know you, you're you're dying to get down to, you know, the Bahamas and or Jamaica and Barbados. <laughs> uh, what, what's next for, you know, barrel craft spirits? Because like I said, I mean, you're always doing something unique. You release a couple different batches each year of your bourbon, you know, the ride, different things like that. What's next for you all, uh, you know, down the road? Obviously, 2020 is a unique year, but, <laughs> but what's what's next for you guys? Um, you know, we're, st we're focusing on that private release, uh, of the whiskey. Also, we have private release, the bourbon coming. We have a, a handful of, uh, new projects that we're working on with different types of, uh, alcohol, different types of finishes, blends. Um, we're, we're spreading our wings over overseas a little bit. Uh, as far as distribution. So, so those, those things are all happening sort of behind the scenes as well. So it's, you know, every, everything is great. You know, every, everything is great. Well, that, that is awesome. And I must say that I, I love what you guys are doing. You, you guys are kind of going, I guess in some sense, old school by, by blending again, right? Yeah. It's um, again, we, we pay 100% attention to, the interaction of the whiskeys and, and, and uh, or the the spirits themselves, you know how 
how each of those components interacts with the, the whole to create that final product is, is really what, uh, what, what we're doing. You know, it's, uh, again, not just putting whiskey in a bottle. Well, it, but when you do put that whiskey in the bottle, it is delicious. The dovetail was great. The batch number three rye, rye was great. Uh, the batch 24 uh, bourbon w- was delicious as well. I, I like to use that with with my bourbons. Is they're delicious because yeah, because they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but but Trip, I really appreciate you taking some time to talk. Uh, what you guys do, talk a little bit about your history. And I, I will say this: you may not have gone into the medical field, but. Uh, you're uh, doing some some surgery and some some cool things with uh, with whiskeys these days. Thank you. I, I really appreciate it, Jonathan. It was a lot of fun learning how to blend whiskeys and all that goes into it there with Trip. Um, also learned a lot about cocktails with Michael earlier. A really informative episode here on the Hops and Spirits podcast. Remember, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hops Spirits. And don't forget to check out our good friends, One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. They're at One Sip Beer Review on Instagram. And next week on Whiskey Weeks, we bring in Tim Pearson, owner and founder of Chattanooga Whiskey. He had to go through a lot to be able to just distill in Chattanooga. It's a great chat and you will really enjoy it. Until next time, cheers everyone.